Now, we've just come through a very difficult time, difficult last 12 months with COVID, the economy. Some of you suffered job loss. Some of you suffered a lot of terrible personal tragedy. And I just want to give you four words this morning for all of that. It could be worse. That's a heck of an Easter message, isn't it? It could be worse. But I really want you to get those four words deep in your spirit, so I'm going to ask you to say them out loud with me in just a moment. It could be worse on a count of three. One, two, three. It could be worse. Now say it with passion. It could be worse. Okay, so when you leave today, you're going to walk out these doors, and you're going to head for your car. And when you come close to your car, and you get ready to enter into your car, you're going to be tempted to think, if I had a newer car, a nicer car, a more expensive car, then I would be content, then I'd be happy. But you're not going to do that today. Instead, today, you're going to say with great passion, it could be worse. And then you're going to drive home. You're going to go to your apartment or you can go to your house. And you're going to walk up to the front door of your house. And you're going to be tempted when you put your hand on that doorknob to think, if I had a nicer house, a bigger house, a more expensive house. Then I would be content. Then I'd be happy, but not today. Today, you're going to say with passion. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to roll over, take one look at your spouse, and you're going to say. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. Don't say it could be worse. See, my, my point is, is that some people think if I just had the right stuff or enough of the right stuff, or just had the right job, or just had the perfect spouse, then I would be content, then I would be fulfilled and happy. The problem is that is very short-sighted. It's missing the big picture. Let me explain. When I was growing up, my older brother, Mark, taught me to play Monopoly. Now, Mark was the most ruthless Monopoly player in history. When I first just got my original money for this board game, I would just try to hold on to it as long as I could before Mark became master of the board. See, Mark understood that the key to winning Monopoly is a total commitment to acquisition, that you want to acquire as much property as possible. And so Mark would do that. He'd land on a piece of property, and he would buy it, and he'd mortgage it, and he'd buy more property, and eventually he would run me off of the board. And then I'd finally give my last dollar And he would take it and go, one day you'll learn to play the game. (laughs) My brother was kind of cocky. One day you'll learn to play the game. So that summer, I played that game with a kid down the street every day. And I learned that the way to win Monopoly is you have to have that total commitment to acquisition. You're going to constantly be acquiring, acquiring property and and, and do that. So I, I couldn't wait to play him. After a summer of practicing, fall came, it's time to play my brother. And I was entering into this game with sweaty palms. (laughs) I mean, I was willing to bend the rules. I was going to do whatever it took to beat him. And so as the game went on, I began to win and win. And I was enjoying it so much. And finally, I run him off the board, and he hands me his last dollar in utter defeat. And I destroyed him financially and psychologically that day. (laughs) And I just thought, this is the best day of my life. (laughs) And then my brother said this. He said, now it all goes back in the box, Gary. All those houses and hotels and 
boardwalk and park place and all the railroads and utilities and all that you know, fine money, Gary, it all goes back in the box. And I didn't want it to go back in the box. <laughs> I wanted it to stay out permanently. I wanted to bronze it as a memorial. See, what he was saying when he said it all goes back in the box is that that's not really yours. You just use it for a while and then it goes back in the box and someone else will use it. But it doesn't belong to you. See, we, we who played this game Monopoly realize that the game always comes to an end. And when the game comes to an end, everything goes back in the box. Well, some of you have learned to play the game of life pretty well. And we need to understand that that game will end too. And it'll all go back in the box. You and I are going to die one day. And it's all going to go back in the box. Then what? The Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die, and then comes judgment. So what happens after we die? We're going to face judgment. So the question is, is there any way to prepare for that time before we get there? Is there any way to prepare for that time up there while I'm still down here? Noah Webster, when he wrote his original dictionary, had the definition for the word prepare was to make oneself ready. Then he goes on to say, as in, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet thy God. So is there any way for us to prepare for that time? Well, let me answer the question this way. See, we have this part of a bridge up here. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why would anybody build a bridge? Well, people build bridges to span some type of chasm, whether it be a canyon or water. But a bridge is built to span some type of chasm. In fact, let me show you a picture of the longest bridge in the world. This bridge right here is, spans part of the distance between Shanghai and Beijing, China. It's 102 miles long. It's got a bullet train on it. It goes about 300 miles an hour. But I want to talk to you about a greater bridge. In fact, mankind has been consumed with spanning the bridge I want to talk to you about. Mankind has been consumed with spanning the chasm between God and man, between death and eternal life all through history. That has been what man has been focused on. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned, all of us, all humanity, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's this giant chasm between a holy God and sinful man. How can we bridge that chasm? Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, spiritual separation from God. So how can we bridge that chasm? So mankind, whether man knew the scriptures or not, people throughout history could look within themselves and see the darkness. They could see the evil thoughts and evil words and the lust and the hate, the injustice, the racism. They could see all that and realize and feel the alienation from God. So mankind began a quest over history to bridge that chasm between God and man, death and eternal life. And that is what 
birthed all of these religions. Because man figured, if there's a holy God and I'm a sinful man, I've got to somehow earn my way across. So religion comes about. How many prayers must I pray each day? How many good deeds must I do? How many sins must I get out of my life? And so mankind, I want you to think of this as man's side, and that's God's side. Mankind started this giant construction project to somehow bridge this chasm. And I just want you to think about that as I'm putting on this work belt to just kind of give you a picture of what religion really is all about. Religion is all about this mentality that if I just did the right things, pray the right prayers, give enough sacrifice, then maybe I can earn my way across this chasm. Study all the world religions. They all have some type of system, and you've got to earn it to bridge the chasm. So what happens? So we see mankind. Study the world religions, and what are they doing? They're trying. They've got this construction project. How can I bridge this chasm? And so they think, okay, what kind of prayers must I pray, and how often do I have to pray? They think about, okay, what kind of sacrifice does this require? You know, and, and what kind of service do I need to do? And they're just constantly thinking about how can I bridge this chasm? And what mankind actually needs to realize is you're going to fall short every time. There is no way to bridge the chasm from this side. So God, God saw that. God saw that the chasm was even greater than anybody even realized. God saw that no bridge building from our side would ever reach cross. So God took it upon himself to bridge the chasm. And he did it through the sending of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. To be born supernaturally through a virgin. To live a sinless life. To teach us what the Father's like. And then to go to the cross and hang on that cross and take the sins of the world upon himself. Absorb the judgment that is due all those sins. Why? So he could bridge the chasm and make a way to God and a way to eternal life. He did it through the cross. <clears throat> Easter Sunday is a time to celebrate the resurrection, but the resurrection confirms the cross worked. And a bridge was built because he came out on the other side. In fact, I want you to think a little bit about the cross, if you would. And I want you to watch this video and just think about Jesus on the cross for you. Let's watch this.
For God took it upon himself to bridge the chasm between God and man and bridge the chasm between death and eternal life, and he did it through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to see what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at this verse right here. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, listen to this now, so that he might bring us to God. He bridged the chasm. Man couldn't do it. No religion can do it. You cannot do enough good to ever bridge the chasm. You'll never reach it. Every religion will fail. But the truth about Christianity, true Christianity, is it's not about man constructing his way. It's about God constructed a way. He made a way through Jesus. And all we have to do is repent and believe in Christ. I was 20 years old before I understood that. I was already, as a little guy, I was already had my own construction project, thinking about what sins to avoid so I could get to heaven, what things to do. And I started thinking back, when, when did that start? When did I start to get that religion mentality instead of true Christianity? By the way, true Christianity is not religion. It's all about relationship. But I started getting that mentality as a boy, and I, I thought back when it happened. See, my father was in the Air Force, and he was sta- we were stationed overseas for seven years while I was growing up. One of the places we were stationed was Spain. And every year, my father got a certain amount of leave, a certain amount of vacation days, and, and we'd take off. And he would always want us to learn things. And so wherever we went, he would hire a guide to teach us about this particular historical site. And one place he took us when I was 10 years old, he took our family to Portugal to Fatima. Fatima is actually a religious site. It was believed by the Catholic Church that these three small children in the early 1900s saw a vision of Mary, the mother of Jesus, so they made a holy site out of this. They built statues. They built a church. And one of the things they built was a stone, a jagged stone walkway from one statue all the way to the entrance of the church. And as the guide is telling us about all this, I noticed two old women on their knees walking on their knees, praying with their knees bloodied. And they were weeping. And the guide says, yes, it is believed that if you pray on this stone walkway on your knees and you make it all the way to the church, which is way far away, he said, you will go to heaven when you die. And then he finished that statement and he turned and took the whole group, which was mostly just our family, to see something else. And as he turned and they started walking away, I stayed there. I thought, where are we going? I mean, if this is how you get into heaven, let's, let's get in line. Let's get on our knees. If this is how you do it, even if it takes all day, if it takes all week, if it takes our whole life, if this means heaven, why are we not doing this? And then my dad's like, come on, Gary. And we go on, and we're going on. I'm looking back, looking back on, and thinking, how do you get into heaven? And so I had some religious ideas of what I had to do, if I could be moral enough, good enough. But when I was 20 years old, I finally got it. I finally understood the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God bridged the chasm. He did it through the sending of his son, Jesus. He did it. And now here's the beautiful message of Easter. Is that now what that means is this, no matter what you've done, 
no matter how far you strayed. The message of Easter, the good news of Easter is God made a way that you can have a relationship with him and go to heaven. And all you got to do is repent and believe in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. There's a passage in Acts chapter 5 I want us to look at. In Acts chapter 5, the early church was beginning persecution. The Jewish leaders were beginning to command the apostles not to preach the gospel of Jesus. And here's what they said. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. We can't stop preaching this, no matter what you say. But look what it says next. They went on to say, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, that's the resurrection, whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand, listen to this, as a prince and a savior. It's that word prince I want to talk about for just a second. That word prince is really an amazing word. This Greek word was used, it was translated prince, it was translated ruler, it was translated hero. But one of the ways it was translated was in a naval fleet in the ancient world, there's often someone who was the best swimmer. And what that person would do, he was actually called in Greek an archigos. What the archigos would do is the best swimmer on the ship is when that ship actually came into rough waters. And by the way, before I get there, I want you to know at 20 years old, I did abandon my own construction project and decided to trust the one that God built. But the archigos was the best swimmer, and when a ship came into very rough waters and they couldn't reach land, the archigos would tie a rope onto himself, and then he would take it, and he'd dive into these stormy waters. And the waters were so rough, the rest of the boat wondered if he even survived. They couldn't see him in the waters, and all of a sudden they see him come out the other side on land, alive, and he'd tie the other end of the rope to a tree. Why did the archigos do that? He did it. Not so we could, they could, sailors could all go, whoa, good swimmer. Good job. No, he did it so they could all make it across. He made a way. Well, Jesus is our archigos. He is our hero. He is our prince. But he's the one who dove into the waters of death, came out the other side alive, and made a way for us to come across too. He bridged the chasm. And now everybody who repents and believes in him has, can have a relationship with God right now that lasts forever and has entrance into heaven forever. And that is the Easter message. The resurrection proved the cross worked. What great news. What great news. So now you, Jesus can be your Savior, your Lord, and your Archegos from now and forevermore. Now as we close, we're going to sing a song. And I want you to see the words of this song because it really explains a lot about what we're talking about. Let's walk through it. As the worship team comes up, the song goes like this. How great the chasm, that's what we've been talking about, how great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul 
The work is finished. The end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let's all stand up and tell you how we're going to close our service. And that is some of you today realize that you need to abandon your construction project because it's not going to get you there. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get you to God. You cannot work your way to God. And you're going to accept today his construction project, which is Jesus Christ. And you're going to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and Lord. And some of you, for the first time, you're going to get it. And the way you can kind of cement that decision to say yes to Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, your Archegos, is to walk across this bridge during this song. Now, most of you that are going to walk across this bridge in just a moment made that decision maybe months ago or years ago. But you want to go ahead and confirm it today. And I, I hope most of you do. I hope during the song you'll walk across it with just joy, realizing, yes, he made a way. I'm trusting in him. And also, those of you that can't make it up these steps, we have another bridge right across here. Anyone who may be in a wheelchair, whatever, you can come across this bridge. We want you to participate as well. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song, and we're going to walk across this bridge and celebrate the meaning of Easter. God made a way for us to know him and to live forever. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. We thank you that you sent your son, your only son, because you so loved us. Now that we just believe in him, we won't perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for that truth. And Lord, I just pray today now that no one could leave this property without knowing you, Jesus. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever you're ready, come on, come up here. And I want to ask those who are any elder couples or pastoral couples to come and just kind of help us on each end of the bridge so nobody slips.
cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my
Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for your great love for us. Jesus, thank you for coming and being our archegos, making a way for us. You're our prince. We love you. We pray, Lord, that we would walk in your light this week and we would shine the light and shadow the darkness everywhere any of us goes this week. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. God bless you. You're dismissed.